Welcome to Buckkeep Radio. We're coming to you from inside the walls. This is episode 12, Assassin's Quest, chapters 11 through 15, and I am Rachel, a rereader. I'm Eli, a rereader. I'm Jenny, and I'm a rereader. I'm Ashley, and I'm a new reader. Joey isn't with us today. He's busy watching Disney+. Plus. <laughs> We're taking a nap. Or... Damn you, Disney Plus. He didn't do the reading. He was much too invested in The Mandalorian. It happens. I've been there. Um, all right, let's 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 get into this. Got some corrections, omissions, and announcements. First up, omissions. I'm going to f- do some follow-up on the self-playing harp song that we talked about in the spoiler section. Um, not because there's too much of a spoiler, but it just made us talk about something that is a spoiler. And so I went to Reddit and I just want to talk about what Reddit said. Uh, Then corrections. In our last episode while editing, I realized that we were talking around something super obvious when we talked about why Galen rose as high as he did. And I think one of the big reasons was probably like kind of like his involvement with chivalry and verity and like the guilt of Galen being skill blasted to be loyal to chivalry. Um, so it probably made the princess want to just leave him alone because he was like too, you know, poor choice. Pathetic. Yeah. Uh, and like, just like involved and like obsessed with chivalry. Right. And like chivalry doesn't want to be around that. And then we also got an email from Yada um, that was basically the same thing. Um, just saying like, Hey, you guys have forgotten a big thing about Galen. <laughs> you guys didn't talk about a very big important thing. Yeah. Thanks, Yana. <laughs> uh, and then uh, last up is announcements. Uh, shout out to Rebecca for sending us a very nice email that was very spoiler free, so I could share it with everybody. Uh, and just special note that we will add Rebecca to the Molly Appreciation Army because Rebecca was not so happy with us with our lack of Molly support. I think we are supportive of Molly. We just don't. We want better for Molly yeah, we, because yeah. we want Molly to be involved in the actual story. Yeah. Instead of being an accessory. Is. Yeah. Instead of yeah. being always that, just that goal that Fitz is trying to get back to and that symbol of a simpler yeah. life. I think that's mm-hmm. my biggest issue. In the case of this set of chapters, the thing he thinks of anytime a pretty girl is next to him. Right. Right? <laughs> God, he's a mess. <laughs> He is a mess. Uh, and then also announcement, you can now pre-order the illustrated edition of Royal Assassin, if that's your job. Oh, mm. I didn't know that they were, are they illustrating the whole trilogy? Yeah. Take it? Yep. Boy. I wonder Yummy. what they're going to illustrate in this that's going to be horribly traumatizing. Are they going to get, like, <laughs> tortured fits? Absolutely. Like, the nose, the like nose his- is like... But like oh. Berserker axe fits when he's just like ripping into somebody. Oh, I think that, Antler Island's got to oh, be. Oh yeah, Antler right? Island. Yeah, it's gonna be I mean, like gonna... the moment from the song. That's gonna be the right. Yeah. Oh man. And not just like Fitz stepping over entrails, mm-hmm. and uh, and then we get like Fitz lying dead on his cell. Lots of floor. forged ones. Uh, <laughs> illustrate that. His dead slash undead body. Cool. With, cool. With yeah. Smell Looking lines forward to the completion of, of the illustrated uh, novel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's be great. Let's get in this into this because I want to get to small ferret. <laughs> that's, that's all that's snip, important snip. about this entire episode. 
This is our new, small ferret will be our new, our new mascot. All right. Uh, Ch- or Slink. Or, well, yeah, Slink is older, you know. Slink is about to die anyways, though. He's old. <laughs> he is. He's old. Does that mean I have to, to change the, the logo? No, no. <laughs> no, no. They're both slinky animals. People would probably get them. It just means that when we, it just means that when we post this episode on, you know, Instagram, we'll just put lots of little ferret, uh, yeah, gifts on top of it. There are a surprising yeah. amount of ferret gifts, <laughs> especially Thank right God. now. <laughs> Thank God, I can't wait to look. All right, chapter eleven is called Shepherd, uh, and I put a little note LOL at this title because that is not at all what this shit is about. So the intro <laughs> is about Shade, and it lets us know that Shade is still politically maneuvering against Regal, but he's doing it much more publicly now than prior to Shrewd's death. He's kind of come out of the walls. Uh, the caravan assembles. One of the more notable entrants is a group of puppeteers. Damon has hired Crease to help Fitz with the sheep. Great. Fitz is super into that. Uh, that evening, Fitz dreams of Molly. It's obviously a skill dream, and in it, Molly is giving birth, and it is this moment when Molly is giving birth, that Fitz realizes that Molly has been pregnant this whole freaking time. <laughs> oh, when I read that, I was like, he's like, she looked like she was pregnant. Oh, shit, she's pregnant. Yeah. Like, really? Oh. Really? I have, this is, this is not from, from that chapter, but I feel like it really applies to this moment. There's, there's a quote later. Hold on. Where is it? It's, uh, then I thought about it and wondered if I would ever reach a place in which I ceased finding out how stupid I could be. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I highlighted that part too. <laughs> it really just sums up his whole character, and especially this moment. Anyway, continue. Uh, illustrate that moment. Um, so Fitz observes the birth, and it ends up that Birch is there, right? He's helping Molly through it. And he's been through so this horrifying. many times before because he's birthed so many animals. So it's oh. a really great sidekick in this moment. Um, he's talking to her like a horse the whole time. I know. I'm so mad. <laughs> so, Good girl. <laughs> All right, skip it over it. So when when he wakes up, Fitz wants to rejoin Molly and kind of like be a father and husband. But Verity's skill command is ever present. Uh, And so Fitz becomes really bummed after this. This chapter also introduces us to Starling, who is traveling in the caravan. She is a buck minstrel on the hunt for an epic story to turn into a song that will put her on the map. During a stopover in a small town, Fitz interacts with one of the puppeteer apprentices named Tassin. Um, The master puppeteer named Del had hit her for missing some of her lines, and it marred her face a little, and she was freaking out. So Fitz goes to help her, and he puts a poultice on it. And Tassin uses this as an opportunity to basically come on to Fitz, and they they kiss a little. Uh, But he ends up refusing her further advances, um, even though he is tempted but, like, thank God, because she's 16, which is just, ew. Well, he is only, like, two I years mean, he's older than only, her. like, yeah. I know, but it's just, difference. I don't want to read that. Uh, so T- Tassin does not end up taking this well, and then the chapter ends. Yo, hey, she went from being like, Molly, my Molly, oh, my precious Molly, to being like, oh, hey, girl. <laughs> yeah, it was a little, it was jarring to me, to be honest. Yeah. Well, it seems like he just, he was having a, a hard time where it's like he really wanted Molly and then that just translated into just kind of being horny. Yeah. Yeah. 
But he knew enough to know that it was like a destructive behavior, so he stopped it. Yes. But still wanted to anyway. Yeah, but I mean, he's maturing in that that way, where he can at least identify when he has bad impulses. (laughs) And we do see that uh, in this section in particular. Like, I brought it up in one of the chapters I'm covering, is like, he does have a lot more of these moments where he's like, nope, wait a second. Um, Thinking before you do something. Yeah. What a great idea. <laughs> you had to learn something in three books, right? Um, something. Sorry. Not a lot, but something. I'm Just still, as we get, as we finally meet Starling in this book, I'm like, really, how is Starling going to be a guy? <laughs> yeah, so that's... <laughs> so stuck on this. Yeah, we learned, I don't know if we told you that, uh, Ashley, but one of the reveals no. that Robin Hobb did at the at the panel we went to was that originally Starling was a man. Huh. So. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm sure things would not have gone the same way, but... Um... <laughs> Maybe not. I would Still be interested to learn at what point she changed it or if it if <laughs> like, she rewrote everything. Was it immediately? Did right. she just decide she wanted like some weird flirting to be going on and so Well, yeah, she like, changed it because of that reason. Starling is is one like blessedly welcome introductor introduction because we just don't have enough women with lines. You know, yeah, at this point. Right. Mm-hmm. And not just women with lines, but women with like agency and their own story and like their own story that interacts directly with Fitz's story. Because like Well see Yeah. This is my like we we're having our whole, you know, back and forth about Molly. Like Starling is what I would want Molly to be more of in that like Starling is a part of this story and she is going with Fitz on this journey and like she matters. Right. Whereas Molly is like off the map overdoing her own thing. And she's like, well, come be in my story. And like Fitz can't do that. Fitz is in this story. Right. Yeah. It, which is right. not a knock against Molly as like a person. No. It's just a knock on her role in the story. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So, so, and, and also like we've got, we've had all these introductions about minstrels and we've met other minstrels. So we kind of have like a good idea of like what a minstrel is and does and how they function. So like, mm-hmm. and what kind of person would be doing this job. So it seems like, you know, Starling's going to automatically be independent and like experienced because she probably travels a little bit more than the average person, but you know, she's from Buck. So she, there's a lot that Fitz can like, talk to her about that she they would have the same touchstones culturally mm-hmm. so but like right now she's kind of a busybody but she flushes out i think quickly in these yeah. in these few chapters um do we want to talk about tassin <laughs> tassin <a> ho <laughs> <laughs> she is so you could tell she's She's manipulative, and I don't know. She's bad news, which we learned. I mean, I, I feel bad for her because she was basically sold to this guy, and she didn't. Yeah, want, she doesn't want to be a puppeteer. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, but at the same time, she's also kind of a brat. Yeah, I don't know. Like, 
Like, there feels like there's worse things to be than a puppeteer. Yeah, it's like, we sold you to the circus. <laughs> I don't want to be in the circus. It's like, well, what do you yeah. want to do? I want to be an accountant. Like, okay. <laughs> no, you missed it. It's, I want to be a dentist. <laughs> I don't think she would want to be anything that you were telling her to be. Yeah. That's what yeah, I got from fair. her. She just wants to do whatever she wants in that moment. And she wants to... Ride a cowboy, save a horse, ride a cow. I don't know. Maybe that's oh. save a sheep, ride a shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot no. analogy. No. Mm. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, shall we move on? Do we want yes. to talk about you know Molly giving birth? I mean, to Fitz's baby. I guess we could talk about this. I you know I. We don't have to talk about the birthing scene. Just like, you know, Fitz being a father. So, like, Fitz, let's, like, us, yeah, let's talk about it. So, like, Fitz yeah. automatically is, like, I want to give up everything and go be a husband and a father. These are things he's literally never thought of before. I know. That's, I, it, I found it really bothersome. I'm like, yeah, let him be shocked and surprised and maybe, like, oh, God, I can't believe I missed this. But, like, the fact that he was immediately turned around and tried to run back to them just didn't seem terribly realistic to me is Fitz ever realistic no (laughs) I think psychologically it's okay for him to want those things because he knows that he can't have them because he has all these other obligations so I think I think it's more about the fact that he has these other obligations on him and that he will never or it seems like he will never live a life of his own choosing and that's what they represent. So, like, he immediately yeah. tells himself, I want to be with them. I want to be a father. But he knows that that can't happen. I think it's just, like, a wallowing kind of exercise. Because otherwise, I feel like it doesn't make, it's not very, it doesn't make a lot of sense for him to suddenly want something he's never thought about before when he's 18 years old and horny. Like, yeah. <clears throat> I think it just... You're right, like, it it does just represent that life that he can't have, and now it's even more so. Right. But at the same time, it's a little, I don't know, it feels a little bit refreshing when the entire previous book he's been, like, I don't care if I live or die, and I don't even know what I'm doing. (laughs) At least he wants to live for something. Yeah. Yeah, He's got to save his pennies. uh, I know. He's like, I can't spend my money. I have to take it back to my baby mama and my baby. I'm like, dude, there are more pressing issues. I know. And also, he's Buy like, a shirt. Take care he's of like immediately forgotten everything that that Birch and Shade told him about. Like, you need to stay dead because everybody wants you yeah. dead. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, I will go and I will be. I will be the father. It's like, no, you can't have any of those things because <laughs> they will hurt them. Like, do you think that Regal wouldn't hurt them? Well, and that was kind of my thought when he immediately was like, okay, I'm going back to them. I'm like, no, the whole reason she's by herself anyways is because you were trying to protect her from all this. Right. And like, and well. he, he can't he can't help himself but skill after them, even though he knows oh, all he's know. doing is opening, Every time opening them skills, up Every time skills, I'm just like... Didn't you just say you were gonna stop? I mean, I guess that's kind of the point of you know the magic system is that it is addictive, but right. it's just like, come on. But like at the same time, he knows that that's the only way that they're gonna find that 
You know what I mean? It's like you're just inviting Will to find them. He's just your yeah. standard deadbeat dad with a drug problem who has no money <laughs> <laughs> and no there, done that. <laughs> and like no control over himself or what you know, it's like best intentions but only for ten seconds at a time. Like <laughs> It's like it's like every time he uses the skill, he's like rolling a d6, and one of those numbers is going to be turning up Will. Yep, you know what I yeah. mean. Yeah, <laughs> and he needs, and he. It's like he forgets every time. Yep. <laughs> you know, like it's bad that Verity put a skill command on him, sort of. Is accidentally, it though? But I mean, is it's, it bad? no. I was just saying. No, I'm it's saying the like, only fucking I'm way saying, he would ever get the. No, but I'm saying like, I'm, like in theory, it's bad, but it's also like the only thing keeping him like. On track. <laughs> yeah. He's like, okay, we, t- we gave you enough chances. You can't be trusted. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> think I about it. He would just you. walk back there with his wolf, murder Burrich. <laughs> Molly would be like, what the fuck? I hate you now. And then he would get them He killed. wouldn't murder Burrich? Well, he'd be like, you're standing in my place. And then Burrich would be like, you gotta leave him alone, kid. I don't know why I'm giving him Harrison Ford. What <laughs> <laughs> He's still Hagrid to me, so I don't know. <laughs> and then he'd be like, you can't make me. And then they'd fist fight or something. And then he'd hit him too hard and he'd hit the ground. It'd be tragic. You know, it'd be this whole thing. I could see it. Wow. All right. That's Skip. a vision. All right. Chapter 12? Yes. Okay. <laughs> chapter 12 is called Suspicions. Uh, and it's actually my favorite chapter in this book because it feels like a Western. 100% mine as well. Yeah. I think it's my favorite of this trilogy. Really? I would say. Yes. So, again, the introduction is a reminder to us, the reader, that the skill is addictive. Uh, and it, it describes it what it's like, but it's really just, it's addictive. It's a drug. So, the next day, the caravan moves on. Starling warns Fitz to keep his kerchief on, uh, which confuses him, but... He, then she reveals that all the descriptions of Fitz had made it to the village that they went through. And so now everyone has this really great, accurate description of the bastard. And Starling has made this connection. So Fitz denies it, of course, but continues to avoid his caravan companions. Around the fire, Starling plays the Antler Island Tower song. Thank you, mm-hmm. Starling. That's helpful. <laughs> Subtle. That'll keep people's minds off of it. Uh, and there's like a, it's kind of a long, great passage where everyone talks about Fitz in the third person and like some of its rumor and some of its truth. And I don't know, it's just, it's kind of great. And he's like spying. It's, it's very like, it feeds Fitz's ego in a weird way. Um, the following day while moodily sitting on a hill, Tassin <laughs> attempts to blackmail Fitz for money. Fitz barely manages to, to deny Tassin's accusations and convince her that he is not the bastard. Um, and so she leaves, but you can kind of tell she's not really all the way convinced. Uh, Starling approaches Fitz right after because she's clearly watching him and confirms that Tassin has been blackmailing most of the men in the, in the caravan for money (laughs) by telling them that she's pregnant (laughs) and that she needs money for herbs. (laughs) Which is why it's funny that Fitz is the one that brought that up in their interaction. Right. Like, what if I get you pregnant? Uh, so... Well, because that's on his mind, right? He suddenly has made a connection about what happens. Uh, you... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Starling uh, thinks that Tassin's trying to do that to to Fitz, that like he slept with her and then she's trying to say that she's pregnant. Um, 
And she's kind of like still on this whole like thing about like Fitz being, you know, not Tom the shepherd, but the, you know, Fitz the bastard. And she wants to stick with him and like whatever he goes because she wants that song. But obviously he refuses her and, you know, steers her in another direction. So the caravan continues uh, and Fitz is still sad about Molly. Uh, Starling is still watching and Fitz feels his loneliness so acutely that he wants to skill out to watch Molly and Burrich, but he, he ends up resisting. So good for him. Uh, for that one for time. For that one time. <laughs> On the trail, some guardsmen ride by and Fitz recognizes their horses as buckkeep stock. They end up being King's guards uh, and they assemble the entire caravan to examine them looking for Fitz. But Fitz ends up being so changed, thin and bearded that he's not immediately marked. But he does recognize one of the guards. It's Bolt, the man that broke his nose. So Fitz, dun, dun, dun. Yes. Um, Fitz notices Tassin again and reminds himself that she still suspects him to be, you know, the bastard. So he, he does some chores around camp, including hauling uh, a bunch of water for while they're cooking up food for the guards. So in the night, Tassin gives Fitz up to the guards, thinking that she'll get money, and they come for Fitz, and he expects it. Uh, I wrote a quote down. It says, The wit sense gives me an awareness of other living things, all other living things around me. I am seldom startled by anyone. So they did not take me by surprise. The dawn had just begun to blanch the blackness from the sky when Bolt and his guards came for me. What surprises Fitz is that the men don't seem to be poisoned at all, because he's clearly poisoned <laughs> them. So Bolt takes his time identifying Fitz and in the end is satisfied that it's him because of the scar on his neck from when that forged one bit him. And he says, damn, I didn't think it was you, bastard. So they rough him up and in the morning they tie him to a horse and begin the trek back. Uh, and then one of the guards begins to complain of his upset guts. Throughout the night and day, more and more of the guards succumb to Fitz's late acting poison. And one by one, they die. Bolt attempts to kill Fitz with his own knife in the end, but Fitz wit repels him and he dies slumped over from the poison. The last remaining young guard attempts his own small vengeance for the poisoning by running off all the horses and throwing the keys to Fitz's shackles into the brush. So Fitz spends a while looking for the key while the boy dies and he dwells on it. On the long, way, on the long walk back to the watering hole where Fitz was arrested, Fitz connects with Night Eyes for a very short time and assures him that he is live. And this, it's like, it seems like not too much happens, but there's a lot of atmospheric descriptions of the land and the sky. And it's just got this like Western moody, you know, man with no name. And he's actually really competent in this chapter, which is really yeah, nice. He yeah. is, yes. The, the poison thing, I love, like, the lines just in there like, you know, that friend would poison all six people to get to one. And I was like, oh, that's what you were doing at the water. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, the, <laughs> the only line that I highlighted in this chapter, other than the one that Jenny already read earlier, is when Bolt is taking his shirt off to see if he has a scar on his neck. Um, and it just says, my bowels turn to water. <laughs> because <laughs> he realized what he was looking for and i'm like oh yeah that's yeah you're not gonna hide that one because <laughs> he like just swept out like his he... hair and like he did all the things yeah. but he can't hide his scars i feel like he handled that whole situation very very well and like we normally see him like panic or go berserker just like just melt down and this one, he stayed pretty poised and collected about himself. And uh, we just don't normally see that from him. Our little Fitz is growing. Yeah. 
He also doesn't like monologue at all or do anything that would have made it seem like too much, right? Like he's just very quietly kills them. And then she's just very quietly waiting for them all to die. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, God, is this going to ever work? Please. Uh, and, and it's also like, it's like, okay, you was, this was a legitimate assassination, right? Like he didn't have to murder them in surprise or knife them or anything. He planned it. He identified his targets. He knew how he was going to get to them. He poisoned them. He didn't poison anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't poison the whole camp or tassin he didn't or, poison himself, himself. <laughs> yeah i did like that moment when he's uh sort of confronting the the boy at the end and he's like just i'll give you your freedom just take your you know wit curse off of me and he's like sorry it was poison you're dead already <laughs> oh. poor kid i know, I, know. <laughs> I just loved all the build-up with the uh the storytelling and it, it, everyone is discussing this, you know, this, basically they've got him to be the boogeyman, right? Yeah. Um, and then, but you know, Fitz is like, he's a wreck. And when the guards finally come, he, he's, I mean, you, you still can't tell if he's PTSD Fitz or if he's like, what is, how is he working his way through this? Because he's, I mean, he has fucked up a lot of shit. It's not apparent that he's doing everything right. Um, and then... And then the ride back, they just, they, it's just people dropping like flies. It's really, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I love how, like, slowly it all happens. Like, it starts off with the one guy, and then, like, a couple more people. It's like, you know the rest of the people are all sweating it. Like, oh, fuck, when is it going to hit me? And then, sure enough, it does. Yeah. It's a nice buildup. Well, it's like, you know, one, it's like, all right, well, maybe, you know, it didn't really work. But, you know, one person got enough in their suit. Then it's like, systematically, each one ends up dying i mean good job fitz you actually like did something right for a change yeah i think he ended up giving them either poison that wasn't as strong as he thought it was or yeah diluted it too much or i don't know because he thought that they would die that night right but it took a second <laughs> <laughs> well, this, is all, this is all stuff that he collected after because he left everything behind right. after he poisoned regal right so he's he's in a place he doesn't know, and he's gathering plants. He doesn't, he isn't one hundred percent sure of the right things, and like it, it was talking about that earlier when he was gathering plants for Tassin's scar. Yeah, that they were that he did different strains. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, it could have failed miserably, but it did work out. I think Thank that goodness. he 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 was more wolf like in this situation than he normally would have been. Like. Because he, he just dealt with the things as they happened. True. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like mm -hmm. he, he's like, okay, well, no, I, you know, like, is, are they going to die? And then they started dying. He's like, okay, great. I'll just have to wait it out. And then, you know, of course he was like, well, now I can't, I don't have a horse, but I know that I'll survive long enough to walk back to the watering hole. So he like, you know, he took everything as it happened. Very wolf. -like. I think, I think possibly because he's out, like in the middle of nowhere and he doesn't have you know anytime something went wrong in Buckkeep you know he had all of these other people to worry about and here he like really does just have himself right and he didn't even have night eyes to worry about he, like it was really just him yeah but even when he was Which injured he didn't like dwell on it like I think he normally would have sure he was very much like well 
It's not. He was in survival. Yeah, he's like, it's not killing me, so whatever. I I just like it. I can I can hear like the western music and like see the tumbleweeds. (laughs) It was it was very Red Daddy. Yeah, you know, them all sitting around the campfire talking, and then yeah, it was. I liked it. It was real good. All right, chapter thirteen. Who did this one? Oh, that's me. Um, So chapter thirteen is called Blue Lake. And the intro gives us some extra details about Blue Lake. Um, It was once renowned for its grain fields and orchards that produced apparently the greatest wine ever. And they fell victim to droughts and lightning fires that they never recovered from. And this forced Blue Lake to become a trade town. And trade barges run plenty in the summer, but pretty much not at all in the winter due to mountain storms. Um, So the chapter opens up with Fitz gimping his way back to the watering hole. Fitz takes a nap in skill dreams as Molly, who is real pissed at a drunk Brit who just returned home. <laughs> and Molly lays down the law on her tolerance for drunkos. And <laughs> while he's drunk and cold, just returning, he requests to hold the baby and she denies him. And Burrich starts to lament about how he gave Fitz over to the king and he should have protected him and kept him as his own. And Molly is annoyed that she's been reminded of Fitz's death again. Um, Birch tries to comfort her by giving her a token of Fitz's and it's the pin that he wore on his lapel that the king had given him. Um, and so in a rare display of using his brain, Fitz realizes <laughs> that Birch really believes that he is dead and that he must have found the decayed remains of the dead forged one that was Winnie the Poohing in his shirt. <laughs> and... Assumed it was actually him because their hair color matched and he had this pin on the shirt. So Fitz tries to skill scream at him to let him know he's alive, but it doesn't work. Um, So Fitz makes his way to Blue Lake and he takes himself on a little shopping spree when he gets there because he took all of the loot from all the dead soldiers or uh, guards. And he gets a rad basket so that he can ditch his hobo sack. He gets some winter clothes and boots, herbs and dried meats and some really dry cakes that made me think of those... Cakes that the kid in the movie Far From Home, The Adventures of Yellow Dog has when he gets stranded after the plane crash. It's like a poor man's biscotti that'll break all your teeth off. Um, I don't know why, but that's the vision I had. Fitz tries to find a barge that would take him across the lake, but there's no dice, no barges to be had between the king blocking trade, winter weather, and he doesn't have any money. It's just not going to happen. So he tucks himself away at a little Motel 6 of Blue Lake, and he listens to the sweet gossip floating around town, specifically about specifically about the Dead King's guards and the whip-bastard beast that must have killed them. On his third night in town, Fitz overhears that the king himself has made his way to Blue Lake, and he would be attending a lavish dinner that evening. So he immediately decides he wants to go for the kill. But in another rare display, Fitz decides that he needs a plan. Uh, Mostly because of that damn come to me chant that he hears all the time, but also because he has a baby and a baby mama. Um, So like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible, Fitz decides to use some cobbler's awls to suspend himself from the (laughs) roof line of the inn where the king is staying so that he can like climb down and swing in and... Just as he's about to do that, he's dangling down, and he receives a message from the best character that we have met in this series so far. I 
fucking love him. It's Small Ferret. Small Ferret is the greatest ever. And last week, I didn't know it when I was taking all those animal quizzes, but I now know that I would be Small Ferret. He and I hold a grudge, and I'm down with it. And we probably have some rage issues. Um, Fitz is informed by this savage little beast. The story of the king is a trap trap, and he needs to go away, go away. It turns out that Small Ferret's wit partner, Big Ferret, was murdered by the by an old blood hater, but not before he told Small Ferret to save Fitz from the tricky plan. Down below in the room, Will is waiting with his one stank eye. Fitz asks <laughs> Small Ferret to come with him, but Small Ferret has his own murder mission to kill the old blood hater by biting his jugular. Hell yes. <laughs> it's the fucking best. And he's like, how are you going to kill him? You're so tiny and helpless. You're just this tiny little animal. And he's like, and just like scrambles up to his neck and is like, how do you like that fucker? Um, so snip, 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 snip. His blood like a coney. <laughs> so Fitz heads back to the motel six where Starling pops up with a proposition. She convinces Fitz to go back to her room at the Hyatt place because she knows of smugglers <laughs> that can get them into the mountains. The caveat is that she gets to go with them. She's still on the hunt for this like perfect song. Uh, we learn that Starling's brother fought with Fitz at Antler Bay and Fitz actually saved him during one of his savage axe berserking moments. Uh, she pieces out to sing for the night and leaves Fitz to sleep. Small ferret. I just, I love him so much. And I feel so badly for him that Big Ferret was murdered. Yeah. So he's like, I mean, Fitz assumes that he's kind of like a little bit insane now because he lost his his bond partner. Yeah. It's really, it's poor small ferret. He can come live at my house any day. I really want to see what Big Ferret would have acted like when he was alive. I want to see what his mannerisms were. <laughs> well, Fitz was yeah, like, what true. kind That'd of person really would bond with a ferret? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Trap, trap. So many questions. It's a trap trap. trap it's a trap trap. <laughs> trap trap. Trap trap. I wish Joey uh, was on this episode because I would ask him what the voice was like in the audiobook for small well, ferret. Well, jo- Joey's dead to us, so we'll never know. Yeah. So my question is... The old blood hater Mm -hmm. that murdered Big Ferret. Was this just like, uh, was that the king that did that? Or uh, was it Will that did that? Or was it like a random old blood hater? I thought it was Regal. I was a little, I I thought it was Regal too, but I just, I I wasn't sure. I thought he brought, he had an image of Regal when he said. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I just wanted to confirm with you guys. Um, I think it is absolutely ridiculous that he was trying to Mission Impossible himself <laughs> with these fucking things down. And I'm like, this was the plan? He's going to swing in the room and kill him really fast. Like, and super proud that you thought you needed a plan. It's more not plan really sure about the plan. It's like he, he knows he has to live because he has something to live for. He can't just run in and be like, somebody try to catch me and then like run around. Which is big. But like when you swing in off of the roof, what is your exit plan? Run around and say, somebody try to catch me. <laughs> somebody poison the water trying to channel that time that he snuck into Molly's room on the rope. I mean, we do. Maybe. Okay, there is. That is a good defense. Like, he is really good at sneaking into people's rooms. <laughs> it's 
I guess. While they're sleeping. That's I just love that small ferret comes out right when he's like dangling down. And then he has to do like the ultimate pull up of his life to get back yeah. up onto the roof. And his, and his, yeah, and his belt gets, he's like, I had a bad moment when my belt got stuck. <laughs> you know, a lot of these books I don't think would work in a, you know, TV and movie scenario. This is a scene I would want to see. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. This is true action. 100%. I also thought it was really interesting slash odd that like he was so close to Will, like in such close proximity to him, him, but Will couldn't sense him. Yeah. That seemed a little it, eh to me. It's amazing, more amazing to me that he couldn't sense Will because right. yeah. he has the wit. Well, or, or maybe maybe he just, sensed, just senses a person in there. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, but Will is supposed to be on like the ultimate skill mission. There's to a lot get about the construction and layout of this scene that, like, upon closer examination, I'm a little like, hmm, because like the whole time he's having this conversation with Small Ferret, they're just like outside, they're just hanging out, and I'm get <laughs> just that, dangling. I get that he said <laughs> that he was like in a part of the roof where nobody could see him because this was the tallest roof, so no one could like look out their window and see him, and you couldn't see him from the street. But right. having people who live above me, I can fucking tell when they're moving <laughs> around. Yeah. So is Will deaf, or is he like he's up there? <laughs> I can hear him. He's gonna attack, try to attack me any moment now. Just waiting. Just waiting. <laughs> Yeah. My the only thing I could think of when he said that uh oh I'm glad this is the tallest building is that I chose the third floor of my previous apartment so that I could spray paint on the balcony and no one would see me doing it. <laughs> <laughs> now you but, can spray paint wherever you want, Eli. Yeah. But you didn't meet your own small ferret and for that I'm very sad for you. I me know. Too. God, I hope I find Small Ferret. So, Small Ferret came from in the room with Will, right? He, like, went out onto the balcony and hopped up onto a fence? Yeah, he's... He, he, yeah, because he, he stowed away... Yeah, he said he stowed away in the in the one-eyed shit, so... Because he refers to him as the person with one eye. Yeah. So that's Will. We should teach, teach Fitz some of his sneaking skills. Right? Yes, probably. He should definitely, definitely get to join this club, like... The, the kind of medi- the mediocre assassins club. Yeah. <laughs> so far, Small Ferret seems to be doing a better job than Fitz has ever done. I totally hey, Fitz agree. just killed six people. <laughs> That's true. true. <laughs> we just talked about how confident he was accidentally. In the he last was overconfident. Chapter. That's what happened. He killed those six people. And he's like, I could totally kill Regal. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> like I'm murdering bulk. Let's do this. Ah. <laughs> uh. All I can, so I, I read this chapter like the day the TikTok of the dancing ferret like became a thing on the internet. <laughs> so that that was extremely pleasing to me. <laughs> All right, next chapter. Yeah, the next chapter, chapter fourteen is called Smugglers. Uh, the intro again talks about minstrels and how freely they can travel around the six duchies and expect hospitality. And their children that are born out of wedlock are also free from the stigma of other bastards and are often trained to become minstrels themselves. So the chapter basically starts out with Fitz taking a bath. Uh, everyone notices. They're pleased. Um, <laughs> even like even like the serving boy in the in the in when he gets back, he's like, oh. You bathed. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, so Starling 
basically decides to give Fitz a makeover in this chapter um, and teaches him about shaving. I just kind of was picturing, you know, like a Jonathan Van Ness Kurai moment. Yes, where that's he's exactly. Like, <laughs> he's just like, you know, she's just like, oh, your shaving technique is so bad. Like, what are you using to shave? Like, let me teach you, like, the proper way and give you, like, a nice close shave with, like, you know, the warm water. And it's just like... And she shapes, she gives him shape in yeah. his beard and his hairline. Yeah. It's like she gives him, like, swoopy things. bangs to hide his white streak. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, so now no one's going to recognize him. So, I mean, she clearly did a good job. Uh, I liked the picture that Rachel attached to Oh, it was it. Prince Valiant. I attached a picture of Prince Valiant. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I haven't, I haven't clicked that. Um, so then they go off to find the smugglers, which goes great. Um, because they go to like this one house and they're like, we're looking for Nick. And they're like, there's no Nick here. <laughs> this Try is all ridiculous to read. It's like, <laughs> cool. Now we have to go find Pelf. Oh no, we're looking for Nick again. What's happening? It's like this weird scavenger hunt trying to find these smugglers. So, uh, Fitz shows some rare competency again when he gets like the 12 year old girl to invite them in and gets her brother to admit that he's the Nick they're looking for. Um, and then the competency sort of fades during price negotiations and Starling has to take over. Because <laughs> she's just like, what are you doing? And so in the end, Fitz ends up promising Birch's earring for their passage, although he still seems reluctant to part with it. Um, and then, of course, when he dreams, he's, he, er, of course, when he sleeps, he dreams of Molly again and the baby is crying and Birch comes in to help. And Molly finally moves Birch into the house to sleep before the hearth. Yeah, because he's not like a fucking savage animal. <laughs> he was sleeping in the barn before. I expected more from her on that front, but well, I think I think it's like a one room house situation. So I yeah, know. it's like a studio Still. apartment in the middle of nowhere. You know, Birch, Birch is ever the gentleman. He would never just like live in the house with this unmarried woman and her child. I mean, yeah, I guess. Um. So let's let's go back. So. So when Fitz goes to take a bath, it's because he spent the night at Starlings. Right. Um, well, it's because it's not because he spent the night there. It's... Well, okay, yeah. I, I'm, I'm saying well, no, he slept on the bed, and then when she came back, he rolled off and slept on the floor. Right. So yeah. this is like the standard romance novel scene that... There's only one bed. Didn't. Yes, exactly. There's only yeah. one bed at the inn. Um, that like just didn't go that way, and then like, and it ends up that just Fitz is just sleeping there, thinking about his fake wife and his and his daughter. So, um, and I also get the, the get the idea that Starling was a little bit older than Fitz because Fitz moves, thinks, and is dealt with as if he is a man in this in this book, but he's like eighteen. Yeah. Right. So I have to keep reminding myself, Fitz is just an eighteen year old kid with no game. <laughs> and I, yeah i don't i mean i don't personally feel that immediate like oh this is gonna get romantical from the two of them because she's stated clearly like her mission is to tag along to get a song out of all of this i don't feel like she's being a tassin right know? but she's also <laughs> like clearly not 
like I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be drunk in a Motel Six or where a Hyatt place, wherever they were. In the- <laughs> hers, she's staying at the nicer place. Yeah. She's at the so she's I at wouldn't the show place. up drunk at the Hyatt place where the guy that I don't really know that probably killed a bunch of people is sleeping, and then just be like, "Cool," and fall asleep next to him. That's not my instinct. I just, I don't think she finds him as a threat. And she doesn't. Nor should no, that's she. Exactly nor should what I she. Mean. And I think, I think she sussed him out pretty well. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was getting at. I was like, I think she's got a really good read on him, and he doesn't yeah. have a good read on her at all. No, because he's or a himself. And why would he? Yeah. yeah. And and like, it's almost like kind of like an older sister kind of like vibe, where she's just like, look. I know that you can't trust me, but we're just going to pretend that you can and we're going to get the story moving because I'm not going to do a bunch of stuff that makes you trust me. And like she told the story about her brother, but you know, my instinct reading books like this is to be like, well, you're, you lie for a living. (laughs) 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 You could tell any kind of story that puts Fitz at ease about why you're following him around. True. Um, I did like she was just I don't know if it's in this chapter or the next where she's just really pissed that she didn't go with him when he got captured. Yeah. She's yeah. like, that would have been a good story. She's like a reporter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She wants she's a gumbo. She's like, let me list out all the things that you've done. <laughs> I really should just stick by you because clearly that's where the good stuff is gonna happen. But so we, I did really like that uh the scene where they're they're working together to get the smugglers to work with them i i thought that was uh it's it's like a it's like a, a buddy uh adventure kind of thing it was I, yeah I, yeah i, I mean it, they... i definitely get the like older sister vibe for sure Makes so sense. when they're trying to find the correct house for nick there's the guy <laughs> there's the guy whittling that's like following them yes the first What's guy his deal? To. Well, see, there's so many. It's weird iconography, right? So the first house they come to, there's a man whittling, whittling and he's like, "Oh right. no, you're go go to the ne- next house." Then they meet. Then they go to a house where there's a girl with a pigeon or something. <laughs> yeah. And then there's and then there's another there's another kid. There was a little boy with another kind of animal with a goat with a goat. And I'm like, are the these kid. all like? I feel like they are archetypes for a story I've never read. Like they're like fable characters. <laughs> In like the six duchies, you know, it's like the boy and the goat, the girl and the pigeon, you know, like they're yeah. some fables or something. Like, like what? Who are these people? And, and Fitz immediately realizes that the pigeon is for carrying messages, which I think was just like that kind of blew my mind that he would make that connection so easily. I liked when was... she gestured with the pigeon. That was <laughs> She's like gesturing and the bird is still on her hand. I'm like, okay. I just, it, I like that, like they, they complimented each other well in that situation because, you know, Fitz kind of knows people sometimes and can, yeah. you know, read a situation in that way, but then is a complete failure at negotiating things because he has never had to do that and... That's yeah, like Starling's like main game in life is negotiating things. Yeah, neither one of them would have been successful at that task alone, and yeah. it just kind of solidifies right. that partnership that they're going to have. And again, when Fitz partners up with someone, small ferrets, larger, you know, minstrels, things happen. Stuff gets done. Yeah. <laughs> 
He needs that extra bit of help. Yeah. And motivation. So the chapter ends again with another, uh, what I would call classic romance novel scene that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't go that way. When Molly's like, Birch, you can come into the house. It's cold out there. <laughs> Thanks for making my crying baby sleep so I can, you know, like. She's like, cool, you got that baby? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, out. <laughs> it was kind of like a, you know, you don't have to sleep on the floor. You can, like, sleep in the bed. But it was like, you don't have to sleep in the barn. You can sleep on the floor. And also, getting closer. Here, you can earn your keep by shutting this baby up. Yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah. But then we do see... Fitz and Starling share a bed at the end of this chapter. Right. So, so again, yes. if Fitz is peeping in on Molly and feeling any negative thought processes about what he's seeing, he needs to shut his mouth. Right. Yes. Molly For would sure. not be well, happy. He, well, he isn't. I don't think he is, though. Yeah. No, I feel like not, he's said that I'm a couple of times that now that like he's got some animosity towards Birch about all this. I don't think he does. Well, no. I, 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 no, you're right. I'm just thinking, you know, I don't know. Male brains. I don't know. Does he does he talk to Starling about it Mm-mm. in this section? No. Or oh, is, is that this, later? Is that later? Spoilers, Eli. Spoilers. I just. I don't. I'm sorry. Pull it together. I know. I read ahead too. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't read ahead for the specific reason of like. Yeah, I got to. I, I don't want to get myself confused on time. I'm only lines. like one chapter ahead, but it already bit me. Yeah. Shall we move on? Yeah. Who did yeah. kettle? I did. Yeah, I've been waiting. Um, I've been waiting for Kettle. <laughs> I know. <laughs> chapter uh, so fifteen. Chapter fifteen is called Kettle. Uh, the intro talks about Ketrickin and how she returned to the Mountain Kingdom, where she thought her child would be safe, and also she, she could search for Verity. She found the battle site where he was attacked, but only found remains of Verity's blue cloak, um, and so she mourned him as dead. And then after that, there kept being reports of Verity's guard being seen around, and they were unable to answer any questions coherently about what happened to Verity, and were obsessed with getting back to Buckkeep. So Ketrigan believes that they're not only that they were not only attacked physically, but also by the coterie. So there's possibly some kind of skill command going on there. Um, just because the cloak thing. Uh, I just, I liked when he, when Fitz uh, took Bolt's cloak and uh, (laughs) Starling was like, nice cloak, where have I seen that before? (laughs) Uh, Just small aside. Anyway, so their journey with the smugglers begins and Fitz gets tasked with driving a cart for an old woman named Kettle. He introduces himself like several times and she's really annoyed by that. She's like, that's the third time you told me your name. I don't need to know it anymore. Um, travel is cold and snowy and sounds kind of miserable, and Fitz entertains himself by trying to talk to Kettle. She tells him that she is not going to Edda's shrine with the rest of the pilgrims. She's going instead to seek a prophet. Her favorite prophet. Um. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Uh, when they stop and make camp in a low building by the river, Kettle makes note of Fitz's polite manners. Uh, Starling sings for the pilgrims, and Fitz is about to sleep when he's interrupted by Night Eyes calling to him. My brother. And Night Eyes has finally come back to him, so Fitz sneaks outside and has his little homeward bound uh, reunion moment with him. 
and he learns that running with the pack didn't quite work out because Night Eyes wanted to be in charge, and that didn't really work for Black Wolf. Verity's skill command also bound Night Eyes as well, which Fitz feels really guilty about, and they have a whole long conversation about, you know, who owes what to who and things. And then uh, Nick comes out to find Fitz, and Fitz decides that he's going to pretend that Night Eyes is just his dog, because that's going to work. He just, I left him in Blue Lake, and he just came to find me, so I can't do anything about it. And then Fitz makes Night Eyes heal and wag his tail, and (laughs) Night Eyes is like, fine, I will do this once and never again. I hate you for this. Enjoy it while it lasts. And then uh, Starling seems really nervous about Night Eyes, and Fitz is really kind of offended by it, because he just thinks that, you know, you know, knowing that he's witted is one thing, but, like, seeing his wit beast is another thing, and he just thinks that, you know, she hates him now. Um, and then during the night, Fitz's mind is brushed by the skill again, which doesn't seem to be his doing, so I guess good for him, sort of. Um, and this time it's by Regal, which is new. Regal seems to be drawing strength from Will and using it to skill to Burl and Carid, who are somewhere. And he knows Fitz is still out there, and he commands them to continue the search under threat of punishment, and he believes that Fitz will try and find Verity, and they must eliminate him as well. It's as if Fitz entirely forgot the fact that one of his descriptions was as someone in the company of a wolf. I know, right? <laughs> it's not a wolf, it's a dog. He's a it's green. dog. He's, He's a just got a little dog. bit of wolf it's blood a in him. You guys, my, one of my coworkers has a dog that's 50% wolf and 50% Malamute, I want to say. Ooh. And he is, it's a very sweet animal, I will say that, but he's fucking gigantic and looks like 100% like a wolf <laughs> and he'll bring him into when we were a smaller company who would bring him into work every once in a while but like Halloween one year they dressed up as little red riding hood and, <laughs> and the wolf dressed up as the grandma and it was very effective oh. uh, but like this, these these animals don't look anything like a fucking dog <laughs> I just love the like Wag your tail, Night Eyes. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) So, we open up the chapter with Fitz meeting Kettle. Yeah. Kettle! And my interpretation of him, like, she calls him out on saying his name a second time, then she calls him out on saying his name a third time. And my impression is, she's trying to tell him that, like, he's trying to convince her too much of what his name is. I agree. I agree with you. Yeah. Okay. It's it's like she's marking, like, that's, you're you're saying that. You're saying it, like, too much. She's also, like, later, you know, like, oh, you are very well-mannered, Tom, for a shepherd. I know. She had some good sinners Oh, look, you have a wolf. Well, and his story of like, I'm going to visit my uncle. He's my favorite uncle. Yeah. I'm going to visit the prophet. He's my favorite prophet. (laughs) Hmm. I I also like that throwaway line where he was like, what about me made old people feel free to like order me about or something like that. Right. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, no, that's your favorite thing to do. I know. He needs that in his life. Yeah, I just like how how Kettle is described. Like, like what does it say? Like she's just swathed in black, like this little old woman's. Like she's the most with it character we've seen so far. Oh yeah, she's like 
The little whip. I like her a lot. Mm-hmm. And she clearly has him pegged within like a millisecond of encountering him. <laughs> so when he brings out his wolf dog, she's going to be like, yeah, fucking dog. Okay. Oh, dog, eh? Nice dog. I like when nice he's dog, when dog. he's like, I think I'm supposed to be, you know, driving your horse. And she's like, you think? <laughs> Shouldn't you know? <laughs> Shouldn't you know? Come on. <laughs> and She's good. I like it. Well, that and she's like she she doesn't like want to hang out with any of the pilgrims. No, she's yeah. like I don't like them, so I go by myself. <laughs> it's just convenient to travel with them, but I like to you know be over here. Crotchety. We need some of that. We need some crotchety in this. She's great. This part of the story. I, um, I love the description that she's she you know makes her own meals, so she doesn't have to sit with anybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Me as fuck. <laughs> um, uh, well, so, so let's Night Eyes comes back. Ice. Yeah, so he's been skilling. I forgot. So I when, when, Oh, sorry. You guys, you guys were talking and my headphones blurped out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just saying he did have that one dream where he, he dreamed of a wolf endlessly running. Right. That was yeah. Like some Night Eyes on his way. Mm-hmm. He made some really good time. He does. He does. Which makes it like when they were really close together and he's like, I'll come and find you. I'll catch right back up. I'm like, oh no. He really he really could have caught right back up. <laughs> I do like that Night Eyes is just like, I wanted to be in charge and they didn't want me to be in charge. So um, I came back to you because I can be more in charge of you. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot how, how pleasant his little quippy bits are and when he was in the story previously, I kind of found them to be annoying. Um, but when he's, we've had a break from him and now he's come back, I kind of enjoyed him and his character a little bit more. So. Mm-hmm. Well, you kind of realize how much Fitz needs him. <laughs> yeah, and Fitz, in some ways. Like, Night Eyes doesn't have convoluted thoughts. Like, right. He just is. And he just kind of observes and, like, acts. But also, they're not in a town. Like, you know, Night Eyes does work better when they're not doing people-y stuff. Like, traveling is good for Night Eyes. Like, being in the mountains. But considering that, you know, he... He he almost got himself killed without Small Ferret like giving him a warning. I think at this point he kind of needs someone to watch his back. So I think yeah. he needs a lot of people. I think he needs an entire posse made up of a dog, <laughs> a girl who sings, and this old bitchy lady who's awesome. <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's you're right. This is the perfect Red Dead Redemption sequel, and I would yeah. play it. And if only that fucking ferret could have stowed away in his bag. He's got a job to do. Yeah, yeah, he does. I hope he succeeds. Murder missions are important. <laughs> important murders. Uh, I also like the scene where he was like, you know, I kind of do wish that you were with me, Night Eyes. He's like, well, I'm right outside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right Open the door, bitch. I'm here. Brother. <laughs> so what do we think about Regal and the skilling and poor Burl and carried these pathetic fucking creatures <laughs> like what short straw did they draw I, th- I think this is i think for me as a reader this is when regal crosses from sad sad uh villain like accidental villain to just like arch bad guy 
Like, right. gotta stop him. Mm-hmm. There's nothing redeemable. There's nothing, like, it's. He, this is not your uncle anymore. This is not family. This is not personal. This is a bad man who is bad for everyone. Well, and it's interesting that he's now, like, Will is being held in such high regard because he failed at this whole um, bait and... Trap trap? Catch, yeah, the trap trap. <laughs> Will is bad at the trap trap. But also, like, Will is no longer... Will was clever. Will had good ideas, and now Will isn't really in charge of his own skilling, which I think is helpful for Fitz, because if Regal is the one that's sucking power from Will and then directing all of that skill, like, Regal doesn't know shit. Mm -hmm. But also, the thing that I thought of in this is, like, he could hear Regal skilling. We know that Regal is not skilled at the skill or as much as you know other people trained in it and i'm just like think about this and think about what the old blood told you about like you're putting your shit on a megaphone blasting it out there for everybody to hear it's basically kind of what regal is doing in this moment well i think it's sort of yeah like all the farsers are sort of described as like skilling loudly like even though, like, Chivalry right. and Verity, I think, you know, know more and know how to control it more, I think, I mean, Verity still describes Chivalry's skilling as, like, you know, really intense, and I Being feel like... trampled by a horse. Yeah, and so I feel like Regal probably <laughs> probably has a little bit of that as well, but more in an untrained, wild sort of way. Being trampled by a goat. by the kid that the kid had yeah there you go that's the allegory um (laughs) but i'm ready i really want to see i don't know how long it's going to take for us to get there but i really want to see fitz learn more about his wit power and like how to control it and how to use it better and I don't know if that's going to happen in this book or if it's going to happen later on in some other books. I have no idea, but we aren't, this book is very long, so maybe it will happen in this book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think they've also kind of set up um, a bit of a race because now we know that Fitz is trying to get to Verity and now we know that Regal is trying to get to Verity. So now now there's a race. But, you know, who are our players? We have... Uh, you know, the old Coterie members on Regal's side uh, and Fitz. Fitz has, like, all these really kooky characters on his side, and a lot (laughs) of them are... We don't know much about them. The ragtag team always wins in the movies. Right, yeah. They've always got something slick going on that they can just... They just need to go, you know, go up to the mountains and collect some more of their ragtag members. and Having an old lady in your group... We learned from Willow is yeah. good. <laughs> like, you want her. So, I feel very good about Kettle. It's I Willow. love Kettle. I love Kettle. <laughs> uh, all right. So, Friends in High Places character introductions and exits. Again, hello, Kettle. And we have Kettle lots of new female better. characters. We have Kettle is introduced. And Starling. Yeah, it's nice Starling to see is some introduced. ladies in the mix. Yes. Small ferret introduced. And- Small, Small ferret, ferret I, he's yes. just like everything in every category. <laughs> literally, literally a friend in a high place. Is 
Um, skills acquired. Uh, well, I get your again. Small ferret is clearly a skill. Just being his friend. <laughs> also, you know his thought process at plans. Yes. Yeah. Just having yes. cognitive <laughs> thought processes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, cool. uh, yeah, poisoning people via soup. Yeah, driving Make... driving a horse and cart. You yeah. know what else I really liked the detail of when he was shackled, and the final young guard is like, "I'm gonna die today." Well, then you're gonna die too, and he throws the keys. And there's the line of like, "How Fitz wouldn't take his eyes off of where he threw the keys." <laughs> Until he actually, because otherwise he would never fucking find them again. And I'm like, you know, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think that's when the stuff like that is where Fitz acts a lot older than he is, or at least to me. Like that's that's like a that's like a middle aged move where you're like, wait, (laughs) yeah, that's there. Um, animal assists, obviously small ferret forever, and Night Eyes is back. Night Eyes. Very helpful. Both of them. Night Eyes. I think Night Eyes <laughs> would like small ferret. I think they'd be buds. I think they'd get along. You think? I don't know. Yeah. Small ferret I mean, can ride along on his back. I mean, Night Eyes might want to eat small ferret, like, at the beginning. <laughs> I know, that's kind of my concern. I'm like, what <laughs> if he got it annoying and then, like, chomped him, but... Small ferret would have to be like, there's a porcupine, and then Night Eyes would get distracted. I did have, when I was little, I had a flop-eared bunny named Bushy, and we had a little parakeet named Chloe, and Chloe would ride around on top of Bushy's head, and Bushy would hop (laughs) around the living room, and the bird would just ride on top. (laughs) (laughs) So they could have have that. That's precious. Can we have more than one wit beast? You need like a wit... (laughs) A wit family. Yeah, that'd be weird. <laughs> uh, There'd be a point? lot of people like sharing things that you don't want to share. Yeah. <laughs> Molly would be well, very it might be piece. easiest if you kept all of the members of the wit family to different species so that no hanky-panky could be gotten up to. True. That would make things a little easier. And also, one small enough Molly to ride around confused. on the other for transportation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the symbiotic relationship is... Yes. Uh, are, do you think you could be wit-bonded wit to, like, your interior bacteria? That'd be awful. No. Hmm. Like they don't have st- brains. Bacteria yeah, don't have they, brains. There'd be no thoughts. They don't have a soul. <laughs> bacteria doesn't have a soul. Like he'd be whip bonded to like a parasite. Yeah, no. this is my tapeworm. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Eating your insides? Tapeworm? That's fucking foul. <laughs> Why would you even say that? That's so grody. <laughs> Ew. Ew. Anyway, was the Sorry. fool there? How creepy was he being? Not as creepy as Rachel in her tapeworm comments. (laughs) (laughs) The fool is out there somewhere. Somewhere out there. Where is he? 
And then you go, that's like, the shot is the moon, and it's just like the ghostly white face of the fool in the moon. <laughs> Jenny, can you draw that for me? <laughs> Not this month. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, my Fitz God. Be the Bastard has a moment. You know, he was actually doing really well. He had some good yes. moments in this. He pulled yeah. Aside from that whole... For five chapters, down the side of the building. Yeah, yeah. for this five chapters, he pulled it together. <laughs> yeah, round of applause for Miss Mr. Farseer for being not a huge I mean, sad sack for five. He didn't. Chapters. He didn't sleep with Tassin. He bought clothes. Yeah. Uh, he bought clothes. He bathed. <laughs> he bathed. Think, he got I think a it's haircut. The combination of he didn't have anyone else he could rely on. He was just, or, you know, worry about. And also, at the same time, he felt like he had to survive. And he got assistance from some very helpful people and small ferrets. Yeah, and he got some, <laughs> he got some help at the right moment. Yeah. Um, I like your alterations to the next part. <laughs> yeah, so I crossed out, but did you die and put in, but did you have a goddamn baby? Important events and predictions. Um, I know what's hap- what's going to happen. So Ashley, as our only new reader, do you have any predictions for the next arc, for this middle arc? Oh, God. I don't know. I think, I definitely don't think anything romantical will ever happen between him and Starling. I feel like they're going to get shit done and it's not going to be romantical. Kettle? Definitely obviously... romantical. <laughs> <laughs> She's a feisty little bia. Um, like she obviously is a hundred percent in the know. I want her. I don't know. I can't decide. She's going to do great, amazing, big things. Not entirely sure where it's going to go with her. I hope she doesn't die trying to do some like old lady. I'm old and I will sacrifice so that you can do this because I would like Kettle to live forever. But I don't know. I feel like that that might be the thing. I feel like with old people, that's typically how they go down. Um, like the Obi Wan Kenobi kind of. Yeah, or like she's thing. like, I'm old. I don't. I'm, I'm about to die anyways. Like, let me help you do this, and I'll sacrifice myself. I don't know. We'll see where that. Like goes. the mother in Dante's Peak, the grandmother in Dante's Peak, who's like, <laughs> let me just get out of this random rowboat into the into the acid right? water. Oh my Why god, she... it's so fucked. I can't believe you brought that up. Why did she do that? Why it doesn't make yeah. So I don't know. I kind of I'm. I don't have a lot of predictions. I just don't. Do you think we're going to the mountains? Yeah. I kind of, I feel like they have a good crew. I feel like Nick is taking them on like the really like hidden paths and traveling in crazy snowstorms where you can't see two inches in front of your face. So how did they be found by other people? Mm -hmm. I think they're going to get there, but then I don't know what's going to happen when they actually get there. Uh, next but I have is what made the you... neck. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're fine. So the next section is what made you cry. Not too much. Other than the Birch fact that Big Ferret talking was about, yeah, Birch believing that Fitz is dead. Oh yeah. Him being him being honest about it. 
I like that part because Molly's well, like, now we know why dead for like find three months. Pin. Why do I care now? Did you know he really is dead now? Did you guys think when Britch stopped drinking that he would stay sober? <laughs> no, but I really, like, truly, no. I didn't know if that was him, like, turning over a new leaf of, like, a sober life, or if him this was him falling off the wagon, or if he's just like, no, I'm still drinking, I just wasn't drinking then. It's weird, because, like, there's clearly a concept that he needs the drink, because Fitz was like, are you gonna be okay when they ran out of right alcohol because he's an alcoholic time. and he was going to go through withdrawal right but they don't talk about it like alcoholism and i like we have like all of these characters that are clearly drinkers and molly is clearly against being you know against drinking because of her father and all this other stuff right but then immediately when they have wine they drink it no one is like oh don't drink that burritch it's like oh i brought the brandy let's drink it yeah so well, they also just drink that shit like it's water anyway. True. Yeah. Me too. So I, I feel like I, I don't know. That's not that's not how Burris deals with his shit. He's gonna go get himself stinking <laughs> drunk. That's what he did. Yeah. But you know, Fitz didn't think to himself, ah, that's where I left the fucking pin. It wasn't in my shoe. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't in my shoe. <laughs> he knew that's where it was. He just didn't want to like accept it. Yeah. Uh, and then the next section is, did Fitz suck? No, we've established that Fitz was actually really great in this section. Congratulations, uh, Fitz. Yay, Fitz! Is that, is that why Joey didn't show up? Because <laughs> <laughs> Fitz didn't suck? It's true. Just doesn't like ferrets. Um, anything else before I ask uh, Ashley, as our only new reader, to go away? Yeah. Nope. Not that I can think of. I always think of like 15 things as soon as I get offline, but whatever. We can't talk about it all. There's not enough time. Wow, it seems rude when you're only kicking one person off. <laughs> well, reminder for the next reading section is we will be reading chapters 16 through 20. So, Ashley, you can sign out. All right. Thank you for listening to me. My name is Ashley. You can find me on Instagram at ladybirdparker. Bye, you guys. Bye. Bye. Jenny, take us out. I'm Jenny. You can find me at JennySlave87 on Twitter and Faces Spray on Instagram. I'm Eli, and you can find me at ChewyBreadCosplay on Instagram. And I'm Rachel. You can find me at DarthRachel on Twitter and Darth underscore Rachel on Instagram. I'm tired of saying all the other shit, so I'm just going to say if you want to email us, you can email us at BuckyBradio at gmail.com. Next up is spoiler section. Alright, it is time for spoiler section. Uh, as mm. promised, let's go over the self-playing harp Reddit follow-up. So, I went to the Robin Hop Reddit and I was like, hey, this is the passage. What the heck? Is this a reference? Is this like the first in-universe reference to, you know, the Dragonwood skilled slash blood activated objects like the Rooster Crown? Like, what are we looking at? Does anyone else see a connection with Kettle's story? Um, nobody really answered the question. There was a lot of 
um, pointing out that Robin Hobb is a Lorena McKennett fan. <laughs> and Lorena McKennett had done a version of this um, called The Bonnie Swans uh, about, you know, a sister that murders her other sister and then they make a heart from her breastbone. Uh, so it could just be a Lorena McKennett reference. Uh, and then somebody else said, oh, well, that actually makes sense because in the live ship books, there is a character called Kennet. Um, That's true. Mm. Not a good Okay. Not a great, not a great person, but that's that's in <laughs> there. <what> I remember. <laughs> um, let's see. Back on topic. I just chose to like read the part that said, "Hey, like your show." <laughs> yeah. So then, to get back on topic, uh, uh, the to just let us like maybe we were looking to like basically just to say, telling us that we might be looking too hard for something. Although I think. I think that the panel that we sat through indicated that she was planning a lot of these things much more in advance than I think we're giving her credit for. Um, so anyway, uh, that answer is still unknown. I choose to believe it must be a skilled slash, you know, object. Um, also, it's just fun like to speculate, you know. About it's, yeah. it's a well written, smart book. And it's also just weird. It's two senses. It's weird. Yeah, it's just there. It didn't need to be there. If I was an editor, I'd be like, why is this here? You know, I don't know. Um so we did forget to talk about this in the last section, but it came up again when they were talking around the fire about like the bastard about yes. the irony of the rumor that Cat Rickon's <laughs> child is Fitz's child. <laughs> um, and I laughed at that too because yeah. It was, again, in, like, one of the intros, and I was like, oh, well, it will be later. Yeah, well, just the fact that it, like, that, that's the worst, that could, that's the worst thing, right? Like, that it, that the farseer error is, isn't really verities, that it's, that it's, you know, but in the, but, like, Fitz saves them. Fitz is the one that saves the farseer line by being, you know, by performing that service, as it were. <laughs> Um, by offering his body to his king. Yes. It's so fucked up. Um, I, when we were talking about stuff, something occurred to me and I totally forgot about it. Is there anything that you guys want to hit before I go on my rant about nettle? Um, I, this is, I, well, I won't be here next week, so... The whole thing where in the next section where Kettle is explaining about the White Prophets mm -hmm. and to Vince. He and I'm doesn't... like, you heard this story, you he moron. Does... He doesn't blame. <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh, nope. I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never heard of this before. And I'm like, what? He even says like, oh, I don't really like you know, I'm uncomfortable with you calling me changer or catalyst. Yeah, he's like, he's like, oh, I don't, I don't really have like the best the word relationship catalyst. with that word. <laughs> I know, I was dying. I was like, come on. Yeah, no, that whole that whole part, I was just like, Fitz, what, what, why? Anyway, sorry, uh, we both read ahead. <laughs> yeah, this is no, the spoiler section. It's fine. Yeah. If there's anything that um, you want to, you know, make sure that we talk about or cover or prompt Ashley to talk about for the next section, let me know now so that I can. Well, you know, you can put in the part where I just yelled at Fitz in, in that section. 
because mm. he's. I'm a moron. sure she will too. <laughs> but I do, I do like that. You know, Kettle is going to like the, the fool. I think that's fun. Yeah, and it's also interesting that he immediately everyone knows he's there. You know, like wouldn't he be hiding? <laughs> I don't know. He's just staring in the flames, waiting for Fitz's head to appear again. Making dolls or whatever it is he's doing. <laughs> uh, I can't yeah. wait till he gets to the mountains. Uh, gosh, you know, I don't know what it was that I was going to say, but anyway. Um, so the, so the, the note that I wrote to myself was, let's talk about the irony of Fitz being relatively unengaged to Molly's pregnancies with any of his children when he seems to be so centered on them right now. Like he's imagining getting home before the baby is able to say Papa and like all this other <laughs> shit. And yet, right. Now I think with Nettle, at least there's some kind of excuse. Like he wanted them. He let them have their life. Right. Come it, to me. Yeah. It was, it was better for him to be dead and to stay dead and to not come back and interrupt their life by appearing. Um, and that and is why he he's stuck not a lot involved. of the shit involving Molly into the dragon as well. So right, and again, that helps him. That helps him not have those feelings, and helps him not feel the guilt. And he doesn't want to interrupt all of that. He's able to step away from it and feel not as much. But with with B, it's like okay, but you're you're literally there. And you well, still it's because she had a two-year pregnancy, and he was just like, "I don't believe that you're pregnant anymore." Like <laughs> <laughs> you are crazy. It's just it's like it seems to be something that he really wanted to experience and and you know and have. And I know and I know that that last trilogy is really about him accepting his being a father and like what that actually means versus his romantic notions of what being a father is like, right? Like it's mm -hmm. making the hard decisions and the sacrifices and like being okay with the fact that your child's mad at you and you know, all that. But I just, he's generally a terrible father, but you know, he's just generally the worst father. <laughs> he is just like complete and utter deadbeat. And, like, he, like, he doesn't even try to, like, funnel money somehow to his family, even if it's, like, secret, right? Like, he's not, like, walking in and, like, leaving gold on the table. You know what I mean? He's, like, he doesn't <laughs> even try to provide for them. And great, you know, fine, Burrich can do it, but he doesn't well, really like, try. Well, I mean, even B, he's there, and he's supposed to be raising her, and he's still terrible. Right, and, and then Nettle has like... to come in and be like, this is terrifying. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I mean, obviously Nettle doesn't know, like, understand B either. You know, I mean, B is not your typical child, obviously. But Nettle and... also doesn't understand Fitz because she doesn't really have a no. relationship with him. Right. The, their relationship makes me sad. Oh, God. Nettle and Fitz. I mean, I don't know. Again, baggage. As the child of uh, of a, an extremely uninvolved person <laughs> without a relationship with him. Like... Nettle and Fitz speaks to me on a level that I don't even know if it was intended. Like, I don't know if Robin Hobb really wanted to sit down and, like, write that kind of quintessentially American experience of, like, the child who grew up without without a father, a child of divorce, that kind of thing. But 
Fuck if she did. Because she did it. <laughs> it's accurate. Makes me I mean, emotional. I think it's interesting that both B and Nettle have, like, relationships with, like, Wolf Father. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, with, with Nettle, it's actually fits because it's, like, skill stuff. But with B, Right, right, eyes. right. Well, I think we could argue that Ned, that in the end, like, Nettle, well, poor B. <laughs> poor B got really screwed on the parental front. She didn't get any <laughs> yeah. parents ever. She no. has to grow and up Every now. time she sort of got them, they got taken away from what, what, what was the, the well, parenting? Can, that's another sad sack club. <laughs> it's yeah. like the daughter's it's like the, a bit. the sum of her parental guidance. Was, did he he let her into his his secret chambers? His like he let her into the walls yeah. and taught her how to use a knife. Yeah, well, she has his writings. Nettle never had that. They had they each have different parts of him. Yeah, it's none of it's good. Nope. I mean, even, like, you know, I mean, Fitz finally obviously gets his shit together to, like, go after B, And, like, so he's trying, but, like, it's not like she has him ever. And then as soon as she gets him back, it's like, hi, I'm really gross and have all these sores on my back, and now I'm going to go into this, like, stone wolf. See ya. Yeah. And then B has just... to play, like, matchmaker for her dads and be like, you love the fool, and the fool loves you. He will but go she into this wolf know. with you. That, but the the whole the her, the really the complete lack of relationship between her and the fool, and it's not even lack of relationship; it's like an antagonistic relationship. Is just yeah. so heartbreaking. Yeah, <laughs> it's depressing. Because he yeah. wants a relationship with her so badly too, and it's like yeah, it's sad. It's all sad. Poor B. I'm waiting for the fourth trilogy of the adventures of B and Per. <laughs> per yeah, perseverance. Ah, oh, that'll be so good. Have them. I, I want it to happen. Um, I thought of some other things just based on Ashley's comments and your insistence that Fitz is bothered by Birch and Molly. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I don't see this at all. And I'm just like, spoilers! Because <laughs> that's obviously Am I happen. reading into that? I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it's I'm trained. When I read a book and like <laughs> there is a relationship between uh, the main character's love interest and another man. Well, I mean, Fitz does consider it because he's he does have that whole moment where he's like, "Oh yeah." Well, I think I think that is in the next section. I think that's what you were talking about, Eli, where he's talking yeah. about how you know Molly said that he was the greatest thing to come out of the stable since Burridge, and that he wondered mm-hmm. if you know she really did you know like Burridge, and then he's like, "No, she had sex with me that day." Um, right. The bu- the buildup has been there. Yeah, for that no, revelation. It's definitely there. I think Ashley picturing him as Hagrid is just <laughs> incorrect. <laughs> it's incorrect, and it's 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 influencing her. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up, based on Ashley's comments, is her her uh, predictions for Kettle or her yeah. worries for Kettle. And I was like, <laughs> well, she does sort of sacrifice herself, but she does also sort of live forever. Yeah, she's Yoda. It's fine when she dies because she's like 300 years old. So it's <laughs> fine. And she goes into the stone dragon. So technically her essence is kind of around. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's hanging out, judging people. 
Um, oh, I, I know what it was. Um, so when this is a thing that I, I don't think I really picked up on until it was explicitly explained to me in my first read through that the fact that Burrich has been closed to the skill. Yes. And that I is, keep noticing that, that is, while I'm reading. Yeah. Cause Fitz is always trying to skill to him and it doesn't work. Yeah. It's, he's just like, it's, I just keep like screaming at him and it goes nowhere. Yeah, I think me. I thought of it when, yeah, when Ashley was like, the skill scream, and I'm like, yeah, you can't, can't hear that. <laughs> he can't hear you. It's never going to work. <laughs> so... Is it, it's chivalry that closes him off, right? Yeah. I can't remember why, though. Because he doesn't why, want it to though. be used, because he doesn't want it to be used by other people. Yeah, but it's, so he couldn't be used as a, a king's man? <laughs> the other yeah, people basically. were Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But that's also what happened to Kettle, right? Is I can't remember. As a as a punishment for her killing her sister. Yeah. So that's one of the re- I think that's why there isn't any like skill connection between Fitz and Kettle, even though they're so close to each other in proximity, is because and Kettle is been close to the skill as well as well. Right. Even though he's just like stealing wildly, like a nut job, right? And then Verity can't get to her either. So like, it helps. It makes a lot of narrative sense because we have this person who has a lot of knowledge, but who isn't like up to date on like all of the drama. And it's because she literally can't hear it. It's like she has no internet connection. <laughs> and if she could, uh. she would just take control and be. She would do everything. So yeah, it's good, right? Well, I mean, it would the the, the book would be shorter. It'd be like, yeah, much "Hi, I'm Kettle, and I'm here to solve all of your problems." <laughs> all right, anything else that you guys want to go over before I end it? I'm good. Okay, uh, talk to you next week. Cool. All right, bye. Cool. Bye. Bye. Find old blood hater. Hide, hide, wait, wait. Old blood hater, sleep. Small ferret, kill. Snip, snip when he sleeps. Drink his blood like a coney. <laughs>